Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. James is talking about trials and he's talking about the new birth as well. He said that the Word of God came inside of our hearts and it produced, as it were, that new man. See, you are saved not through the sacraments, not through any specific membership within any church. No minister, no pastor, no evangelist can save you. It's the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ exploding in your life, creating a brand new life. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see You're changing our lives so we can be our hands and Today, Pastor Ed will be reminding us that there are no religious ceremonies or good works that can make us right with God. The only way we can be saved is by receiving Jesus as our Lord and Savior. There is no other way that man can be saved. There is a danger in trying to add to the finished work of Jesus. We often try to receive Jesus' sacrifice for our sins, but then we add our own works into the mix. The sacrifice of Jesus plus anything is not the true gospel. We do good deeds out of gratitude, not to earn anything. Well. Here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. Building in Faith. We're in a series in the book of James, chapter 1. James chapter 1, beginning to read with verse 19. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Someone has said that preaching is the fine art of speaking in someone's sleep. Now, sometimes I feel like that on a Sunday morning. As soon as I get into the introduction and I've transitioned out of my introduction into the body of the message, some shades begin to go down. And miraculously, at the conclusion, they come back up, and they're ready for the benediction. Well, we have to be careful that we really train ourselves to hear what God is saying. I heard about a man, a preacher, Dr. Earl Allen, who pastored in West Texas in a town called Seymour. And this was a number of years ago. In the church, in the second row, there was a gentleman that would always sit there because they had a hearing aid apparatus there. And it was an old-fashioned one where they would reach down and plug the hearing aid in and then put the hearing aid on. Well, the pastor, Dr. Allen, said that whenever it came time to speak on stewardship or tithing, he would 
go and reach down and pull the plug out and very ceremoniously take the earphones off and set it on the pew right beside him. Well, I think we're like that at times. We have selective hearing. Oh, we don't always hear well or vicarious hearing. I was reading about a pastor, and this pastor was rather frustrated with one of his congregants. I mean, she was kind and gracious. Every Sunday morning after the sermon, she would greet the pastor as he would shake hands in the back, and she would say, Pastor, it was a wonderful sermon. They needed to hear that. And after a while, he just prayed, Lord, she needs to hear that. Well, she lived rather close to the church, and there was terrible inclement weather. And it happened to be that that Sunday, she was the only one in the congregation. The pastor took out both barrels, and he preached. At the end, she shook his hand and said, Pastor, that was a wonderful sermon it's a shame they weren't here to hear it. <laughs> well, James is going to talk to us about hearing the word. How we really have to prepare to hear. It says, prepare your heart to receive the word of God. In verse 19, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. The context of these verses in chapter 1, James is talking about trials, and he's talking about the new birth as well. He said that the word of God came inside of our hearts, and it produced, as it were, that new man. See, you are saved not through the sacraments, not through any specific membership within any church. No minister, no pastor, no evangelist can save you. It's the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ exploding in your life, creating a brand new life. And so James tells us that this seed, this word of God has been implanted in us. And we need to hear it as well. You were born again by the word of God and you are sustained in your Christian life through the word of God. Not only does the word of God produce a new creation inside of you, it sustains that new creation. And here James begins by saying, be quick to listen. Oftentimes in the trial, we're tempted to do the exact opposite. I mean, we chatter. We just begin talking and talking. In a time of testing, we could begin to, in a sense, lose the sense of God's presence when that trial becomes a temptation and that temptation can become sin. James says, at that moment, be quiet. Married couples most often divorce because of financial reasons. That's the number one reason. When there's stress in the home, financially, they're at each other. They're divided. 
What happens in times of stress is sometimes we fail to speak well to one another. We fail to listen to each other as soon as we get into those times of trial. And often testings involves our relationship with people, their relationship with us, our relationship with extended family or immediate family. Uh, that's part of trials. He was talking in James chapter 1 about the rich and the poor. Some may be complaining and saying, listen, uh, why, why are they blessed and I'm not blessed? And on and on these scenarios can happen. And James says, in the midst of your trial, be quiet. Oftentimes people put their mouth, they begin speaking before their mind is engaged. We need to be careful what we say. Sometimes you're listening. And as you're listening, you're marshalling your arguments. You're going to send them out to the battle. They're going to fight. Instead of listening. I have a book on my uh, bookcase and my bookshelf called Deep Listening. Now, I haven't read the book yet, but it's a good book. I like the title, Deep <laughs> Listening. And I think about that. We need to listen. And James is telling us that. One commentator said, listening is the art of closing one's mouth and opening one's ears and heart. To hear, to understand, to identify, to connect. James says, if you don't listen, you will not be able to receive God's word. You know why he's saying that? Because your relationship with others is always parallel in some sense in your relationship with God. If you can't listen to others, you're not likely to go into your prayer closet and suddenly change and listen to God. And if you've learned to listen to God you will be more readily able to listen to his people. There's that correlation. There's that connection, that parallel. Do we have an attentive spirit? Now, he says, be slow to speak. What he's saying by that is not, I'm going to really take my time in talking to you. No, no, no. He's not talking about slow speech. He's saying process things before you talk. Think about what you're going to say before you say it. We need to guard against shallow, immature reactions to people, to circumstances, to situations. In Proverbs 13.3 it reads, He who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. Again in Proverbs 17.27, a man of knowledge uses words with restraint. A man of understanding is even tempered. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Well, two things happen. You give them a piece of your mind, and you also lose your peace. We have to be wise in our communications with others. Someone has said, silence is a fence for wisdom. Be able just a time to be silent, to listen, 
not to always have to say something, always have a comment, always have a retort, always have. No. Slow down. In some of the ancient writings, some of the rabbis said this. This was a saying among the rabbis. All my days I've grown up among the wise, and I have found nothing better for men than silence. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. And he goes on to say, be slow to become angry. If there's an underlying hostility, all it does is take a little spark for that flashpoint to be set off and that person to explode. What's underneath? What's going on in the heart, in the emotions? When we feel this persistent need to defend ourselves, self-importance, self-assertion, it's dangerous. So James is saying, be really slow to anger. Have a long fuse, not a short fuse. And where the least little thing will set a person off and they'll be upset and lose it. I've seen more people hurt in church than I would like to have seen over the years. And often it's because, oftentimes it's because somebody has to get their point across. They have to be right. They have to defend themselves. James is referring to that type of thing. He's talking about the context of trials, the context of temptations. And he says, in the midst of a trial, in the midst of the temptation, you need to be silent, you need to be still, you need to be quiet, you need to listen to God's voice. Be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to become angry. A Native American was visiting a friend of his, which was his cousin, in the city. And the Native American heard a cricket. And he said to his cousin, do you hear the cricket? I don't hear anything. All I hear is the traffic, the noise, the horns, uh, the sound of people. So he found the cricket. He said, here it is. And he said, how did you do that? He said, just watch. He went into his pocket, took some coins out, threw it on the sidewalk and all of a sudden all these people turned around and looked at those coins and looked where the money was he said it's what you're listening for what's in our heart if we have disciplined ourselves to respond to God we'll hear his voice and James is saying be such a person that you are preparing to hear God's word. God could speak to you on a busy city street. He could speak to you in the midst of an argument. He could speak to you in the midst of a tremendous trial where others will be losing their cool at work. You hear the voice of God and God is saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. So our first preparation is 
to be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to be angry. Now, he camps on that last thought. We need to protect our hearts in order to receive God's word. We need to protect our hearts in order to receive his word. In James 1.20, he says, For a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Sometimes we think we're going to set people straight. Is God in it? Is he? What James is saying, for man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. We often get angry at the wrong things, at the wrong time, in the wrong way, at the wrong people. I remember growing up in an Italian home. And in my home, you just spoke your mind. And often you lost your peace of mind. I had to learn when I came to Jesus Christ... And I accepted him as my personal Lord and Savior to put a rain on my lips. And I would pray daily, Lord, put a watch on my lips. Give me wisdom. We have to not let anger control us. Because anger will not produce a righteousness in you. That's what James is saying. It's not going to produce a righteous life. It's not going to produce a Christ-likeness in you. In fact, if you give rain to anger, it's like putting wax in your ears. You can't hear God's voice. His word will not be able to shape you and mold you the way you should. He's telling us how we can receive the word of God. He says, you can receive God's word in your trial. You can have wisdom in your trial. You can know what God's will, God's mind is by being slow to speak, slow to anger, quick to listen. And he's saying, okay, don't let anger take over your life because if you let anger take over your life and you say, boy, I'm going to just handle this myself, it's going to affect your relationship with God. Getting on with people and going on with God is connected. You can't go on with God if you're not getting along with people. Hear me with that. It's true. Because we cannot come to the altar and bring our gift if our hearts are not right with others. We can't expect God to hear us if we're harboring hatred, bitterness, anger, dissension, all of those things. See, it's going to block that relationship with God. And that's what James is telling us at this point. He's telling us that man's anger doesn't achieve God's righteous purposes. Uh, there should be a truth-triggered response. Let me say that, a truth-triggered response. If truth is being in our heart, filling our hearts, filling our minds, and we're meditating in the Word, and the Word is reading us, and we're reading the Word, and we're being changed by the Scripture. Now, I'm not just talking about advancing the bookmark in your Bible. I'm talking about really assimilating the Word. What's going to happen is that we're going to respond biblically to our circumstances. Someone who says, man's anger doesn't originate in God's will, and it doesn't achieve God's will. It's not going to. It doesn't originate in God's will, and it doesn't achieve God's will. That's not the way God works. His wisdom is pure and peaceable, and, 
And God wants us to be like his son. And we're going to blow the trials. And listen, you handle that trial in anger, you know what's going to happen? That trial's going to blow up. It's going to get worse. Then you're going to have another trial to deal with. And then another trial to deal with. And then another trial to deal with. Soon you're going to be walking in a minefield. Anger, James tells us. Keep your heart from it because it will hinder you receiving God's word to your heart. Someone has said, when we feed on anger, it feasts on us. When we feed on anger, it feasts on us. A little poem that describes that says, In the desert I saw a creature, naked, bestile, who squatting upon the ground held his heart in his hands and ate of it. I said, is it good, friend? It's bitter. Bitter, he answered. But I like it because it's bitter and because it's my heart. You could begin to enjoy bitterness, malice, gossip, anger, retaliation. And you could develop a taste for it, but all the while, it's eating at you on the inside. And James is saying, if that's the state of your heart, you will not hear God at all. It's going to block his word to your heart and spirit. It's going to hinder the growth of the word in your heart. There's a third thing in this passage of scripture that we find. He tells us to purify our hearts in order to receive the word. In verse 21, therefore, get rid of all moral filth, and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Get rid of all moral filth. The picture is a garment that's been soiled and dirtied. We just sort of go through this world, and we could pick up attitudes, and just mindsets that represent this fallen world. And we embrace it, and we don't recognize that's the way the world operates, not the way the church operates, not the way a follower of Jesus Christ operates. And suddenly, we need to cleanse ourselves. We purify our hearts by living according to the standard of God's word, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Uh, that moral evil is referring especially to gossip, to harsh, hard words. And James, again and again, is going to pound that thought through in his book. He's going to pound through the fact that we have to guard and watch how we speak and what we say and what we do because it affects this relationship that we have to God. And he calls it moral filth. It's not only speaking about our words, but it's also speaking about moral purity as well. All sorts of things that sort of cling to us in this present evil world. Uh, recognize this, that you have a fallen nature and you'll have that fallen nature until God calls you home. And it's always something that you have to work at. Now this is expressed especially in the New Revised Standard Version. Listen to it as I read. James 1.21 Therefore, rid yourself of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness. Rank growth of wickedness. If you could leave that up for a while. The idea is this. A man is tending his garden, taking the weeds out. And before he knows it, the weeds are growing over here. And he's taking that and dealing with it. And then before, 
we have a fallen human nature that we constantly have to watch and guard and tend to. If we don't, it'll overcome us. And so James is saying, you have to deal with the situations in your life. You have to deal with your own heart. Programs like Building in Faith are wonderful, and we do know that God uses them in the lives of countless believers. We also know that just hearing God's Word is not enough. We must put into practice those things that we are learning. Pastor Ed is taking us through the book of James. We'll learn that we must be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Building in Faith. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. Again, to follow Building in Faith and access the archive of messages, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. When you visit the site, you'll only need to remember today's date. Simply click on today's date. You can listen, download, and even share this message with your friends and family via Facebook and Twitter. If you have any questions, call us. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. In the next edition of Building in Faith, Pastor Ed will continue sharing messages from the book of James. So be sure to join us. Until then, may God richly bless you. Your word restores.